It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 454 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 24th, 2023. It's an off day for the Padres, but there's some significant news in San Diego sports that I want to talk about here at the end of this show. And then Padres related, just a couple topics here. Shohei Otani, he had the tear in his UCL yesterday when he was pitching on the mound. So... That changes, I think, the amount of money that he might get in free agency. So obviously there's something to talk about there because we know A.J. Preller would love to have Shohei Otani. And Peter Seidler has had a history of spending a lot of money on players. So I would think he's going to be in this Shohei Otani um, bidding war, if you will, to some degree. We'll see how much interest there is there, but there's something to talk about there. And the Chicago White Sox, they fired their president and their general manager this week. They realized that it's not working, need to make a change, should the Padres follow in their footsteps. There's a lot to get to. I'll get to the chat. If you have a comment, a question that you want to make sure you get on the show, you can click that dollar sign, the super chat button there, and that separates it into a totally different category. Makes it very easy for me to see that comment. That question supports the channel. So I greatly appreciate anyone who does that. And if you want to join the show, as always, click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. I give you that opportunity on every live stream here. So thank you to anyone who does that in advance. Uh, just a reminder here, you can use my code for $20 off on SeatGeek, code TALKINGFRIERS. And then click that link in the description. Great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave, BreakingT.com. They've got great stuff there. Um, let's start off with the Chicago White Sox, San Diego Padres. Should the Padres follow in the White Sox footsteps? The White Sox, they let go of their president, Ken Williams. They let go of their GM, Rick Hahn, earlier this week. And I think some White Sox fans were stunned by this news because they didn't think it was going to happen because Jerry Reinsdorf, like A.J. Preller, is someone who believes in his employees, someone that is really loyal to their employees. And so fans were not expecting this. They were just expecting, okay, it's a lost season and it's going to be the same leadership and not a very bright future for the White Sox. But 
Reinsdorf decided to make this move. I guess Rick Hahn was trying to resign a little bit um, before this even happened in the years prior, but Reinsdorf didn't allow him to do that. I did see that somewhere. I don't know if that's totally accurate, but they're finally gone. Now, should the Padres follow in the White Sox direction in who the White Sox are hiring? Like, go in that, those footsteps, follow those footsteps? No. The White Sox, they might promote an internal candidate, Chris Getz, who's an assistant GM, hire him to be the GM, and maybe they're going to have Dayton Moore, who was relieved of his duties, I believe, with the Royals, have him come run the White Sox. It's not like the Royals have this amazing history of being a consistent playoff contender, right? There was that little window with Hosmer and Moustakis and all that when they were you know, in their primes before they got paid. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, right? Wade Davis and James Shields was on that team. Johnny Cueto. Uh, but it was a small window. And then after that, they've been in a rebuild. And they haven't been, there hasn't been a whole lot of success from that, right? And what happened before that? Just not a lot of winning. And so the Padres should not follow in that those footsteps. If the Padres decide, if Peter Siler decides, AJ, you're done. Sorry, that's this is it, which I don't I don't see happening. I would be shocked if it happened. Just because of what we've seen publicly from Peter Siler, his love for AJ Preller, his belief in AJ Preller, I don't see it happening. But if magically it happens, because I think it's the right move if AJ and the Padres they don't make the postseason, which I think the season's over. I don't see them making the postseason. If this move is made, no, you don't hire, you don't promote Josh Stein or someone like that, an assistant, to come run the team when that's an internal candidate that has helped your GM make decisions and given his input to those people that have led to not a ton of success in the organization while AJ Preller has been here. And if they're going to go hire someone else, bringing in someone like Dayton Moore, that's not what I want to see. I want someone like James Click, someone who has won a World Series recently with the Astros. And I know Jim Crane ended up not renew or giving him a con- the contract that Click wanted, but that felt like more of a Jim Crane issue than James Click being the problem. They won a World Series with him, right? So I want someone like James Click. I want someone that's maybe from the Tampa Bay Rays, someone from maybe the Baltimore Orioles, the Orioles uh, right-hand man to Mike Elias. I think Sid Medjdell, I think is his name. I'm probably botching the name. I apologize if I am. Someone maybe from the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, I don't believe that they can decline that. If the Padres were to go to the Dodgers and say, I want Andrew Friedman's right-hand man, we're going to make him the GM or the president of baseball ops. They can't deny that. So I want someone like that, someone from a franchise that knows what they're doing. They're part of a winning culture, consistent postseason success, or at least consistent making the postseason because the Padres don't even have that, right, consistently. So that's what I would do. But yeah, in terms of following the White Sox footsteps, like when you realize, okay, this isn't the guy probably, it's not working consistently, it just hasn't worked, make a change. I would seriously think about that if I was Peter Scyther and the San Diego Padres at the end of this season. Or, you know, the season I think is already over. So if I was Peter Scyther, I would already be thinking about this. AJ, like, look at the comparisons between Rick Hahn with the White Sox, the GM there, and AJ Preller, obviously the GM of this Padres club. Rick Hahn was hired, I believe, to be the GM or promoted in 2012. And look at the divisional finishes. And it's a little bit different. NL West is better than the AL Central. The divisional finishes, the record for these guys, the playoff appearances, it's pretty similar. Rick Hahn, 2012, had a winning record, but didn't make the postseason. 2013, no postseason, last place. Fourth place in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018. Third place, 2019, made the postseason, but lost in the wild card in 2020. Padres, they made it past the wild card, but then they got swept by the Dodgers, obviously. 2021, make the postseason. Good season, 93 wins. Padres, was they were around that last year in the regular season, and they went to the NLCS. They went farther than where the White Sox went in 2021, but both did not get to their end goal. I know that I said it was a successful season after last season uh, because they were making steps, right? But I didn't see this coming. I don't know if I would have labeled that season a full success if I would have known, yeah, they're not going to make the postseason in 2023. 
2022 is going to be the it's going to be the meat to the sandwich of the a huge collapse and the most disappointing season in Padres history. You know, don't know if I would have said oh, totally full success for 2022. Um, and they didn't get to the World Series like that. That was, you know, when you're in the postseason, you're on that run. That is your end goal. And there's a lot of disappointment when you can't get there. Right. So 2022, we go there with the White Sox, 81 and 81, mediocre, no postseason appearance. And then this year, 50 and 77 is where they sit right now as I do this show. Fourth place in the AL Central, which is a really bad division. And it's been for a long time, right? You look at the Padres, so White Sox, two postseason appearances there. You look at the Padres, A.J. Preller has been here a shorter period of time than Rick Hahn with the White Sox. But he has two postseason appearances with the Padres. And the White Sox, there's talent on that White Sox team. I don't want to make it seem like they they suck. But the White Sox don't have as much talent as the Padres. They didn't have as high of expectations going into this season as the San Diego Padres did. 2015, obviously, we know. Fourth place, 74 and 88. 2016, 68 and 94, last place. 2017 for the Padres, 71 and 91, fourth place. 33 games back is what they finished. 2018, I know this was a rebuild, but it still results. And I know Seidler's not judging Preller on this. At least that's what Kevin AC said on the Darren Smith show, uh, I think last month, or maybe it was this month. It was, long, it, was, it was a few weeks ago that he said this. But these are still the results. AJ was still the guy leading this in these seasons. Uh, so last place, 2018. Last place, 2019. 70 and 92. 2020, 37 and 23, but it was a 60-game season, and then they got swept in the NLDS. 2021, great start, and then they end up finishing four games under 500. And Jace Tingler goes, he gets fired. By the way, Andy Green obviously got fired um, before the season even ended in 2019, I believe, right? Yeah, 2019. Tingler got hired, two years, gets fired after 2021. 2022, Bob Melvin comes in, and it's not like they had that impressive of a regular season. 89 wins. They made the postseason in the last weekend of the regular season, and they lost that game that got them into the postseason. It was because, I believe, the Brewers lost right against the Marlins. That's why they got in on that day. Long postseason run, things like it looked like things were going well, and then 2023 comes, and they're 61 and 67 right now. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, six games, six games under 500, fourth place, 17 games back, which that's not something that the Padres are unfamiliar with, right? They're, they know, they're familiar with this position in the NL West in A.J. Preller's tenure with the San Diego Padres. So when does Peter Seidler sit there and say, all right, what's the common theme here? Look at what the White Sox just did. I'm not saying the White Sox are the brightest organization. They're not. And Jerry Reinsdorf, I don't think he's the brightest owner in baseball. He has been someone that has hired his guy and has not really gone through an extensive interview process with some of these guys that he has hired, right? And at least A.J. Preller has done that with his managers, you know? And the Padres, it looked like they did that when they hired A.J. Preller. But A.J. Preller has also had a history of hiring his guys. And how has that worked out with the Padres when he has hired his guy? And you compare that to the White Sox. How has that worked out when Reinsdorf has hired his guys, right? There's, there's... There's things in common with the, the, the Padres and with the White Sox. So, yeah, getting back to that question, should Seidler follow in the Padres, or excuse me, should he follow in the White Sox footsteps? I think he should, should, should seriously think about it. And if I was Peter, I would. At the end of the season, I would. And maybe he's still thinking about it. And the last time he spoke to Kevin Acey, that was a little bit ago. That was in that Cincinnati series on the road when they were playing terrible, um, just bad stretch of baseball. And he still said AJ is excellence. And that threw up red flags, obviously, for Padres fans. And we did not like that. Now, things can change. His opinion can change from then to what has happened now. Then he probably thought, there's still plenty of time for us to make the postseason. Does he still believe that now? I doubt it. And if he does, then we got to put some blame on Peter as well. Because now you're being too reliant on A.J. Preller. You're, 
you're you're allowing AJ your relationship with AJ to be more important than um, the the results on the field at the big league level. You might see and like what you see in the farm system and all that, but what matters most is what is happening at the big league level. And what is happening at the big league level is unacceptable, and it can't happen again. It's happened too much. The disappointment for Padres fan has happened. It's happened too much. Can't keep happening. So. Yeah, I think AJ should be gone at the end of the year if the Padres miss the postseason, which it looks like they will. And again, people that watch this show, they listen to this show, they've been listening, watching for years. Last season, you know, I was an AJ guy. Love AJ. I I, I respect how much he works and how hard he works. But there's flaws to AJ from reporting that we have seen, things that I have read, things that I have heard when listening to sports local sports radio and uh you know reading reports and all that like there's stuff there it's like there's flaws there and i don't know if a change is going to make a big difference in this Padres organization but i'm at the point where it's like why not why not try making a change and having someone else come in and run it and see how it works out because there's still going to be enough talent on this team next year, regardless of who come in, comes in, if Preller is gone. Let's just say that that happens. There's still going to be a lot of talent on this team to be a postseason contender next year. And so it's like, well, if you're allowing AJ to do this with the manager, uh, let's see if a change and having Ryan Flaherty come be the manager, it, you know, make Bob Melvin the scapegoat. Let's see. Let's, let's just see. Let's throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks. Let's see if it works out. If you're allowing AJ to do that, why not do that yourself with AJ and say, you've had almost a decade here, dude. I'm trying something different. And if you want to accept the scouting role in the organization, I'd love for you to do that because AJ, he has been good. I think at evaluating guys in the draft, but it's, you know, been the development and some trades, right. That haven't worked out and some free agent signings. There's obviously been some good moves for sure. And I do appreciate how far AJ has brought this organization in terms of like getting to the NLCS last year. There's been a progression, but there's been a step back, a big step back this year. And it feels like Peter's just going to allow AJ to continue running this. But I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf, who's one of the most loyal, probably the most, most loyal guy in baseball. If you listen to some people that know the White Sox and know Jerry Reinsdorf, the most loyal guy to his employees believes so much in them and he's like nope we're making a change so if that happens i mean peter come on i think you should really and it's two different situations i understand it but i found i'm, I'm finding a lot of things in common between the padres and the white Sox for sure all right let's get to show otani after this check out gaglione bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on friars road you can visit their website, gagleonbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. Okay, so Shohei Otani, and you might be asking, what the heck does that have to do with the Padres? He's on the Angels. Well, we know A.J. Preller absolutely loves Shohei Otani, and Peter Seidler has allowed A.J. in the past to spend a lot of money on players. And Peter wants to win. And you would think Shohei Otani would help the Padres win. But would it be worth it to bring Shohei Otani in if you have to give him $600 million? If you have to give him $500 million, $550 million, whatever the price is, is that worth it? And you're taking a huge risk on that. And the latest thing with Shohei Otani is that he has a torn UCL. So he's going to be shut down from pitching the rest of the year. We'll see if he continues to hit. I don't think he should continue because I think he should look out for himself because the Angels aren't going any well, anywhere, excuse me. He has carried that team. He should have a back injury because of how much he has carried that team. Mike Trout got hurt and went back on the IL again. So I feel really bad for Angels fans. They have it really bad. And it's just blow after blow after blow for them. Now with Otani, what does this mean? Can the Padres get Shohei Otani? Can other teams get Shohei Otani? on a discount. I'm not going to make this seem like they can get him for $100 million. You can't. But 
He's not going to be pitching. If, if he has to get surgery, right, he's probably not going to be pitching in his first season with his new team because I don't see him going back to the Angels. He could go back. Maybe Artie Moreno is the one team that gives him $600 million still. I don't know. So I'm not totally ruling that out, but I don't think he's returning to the Angels. He, so he, let's say he doesn't return. Doesn't pitch the first year. Maybe doesn't pitch part of the second year if he has surgery again. So that's going to knock off how much money? $60 million off the contract? Let's say, I don't know. Are you giving him $30 million a year for his pitching? And then another 30 or whatever for his hitting? I don't know. Does it knock off anything? And does that allow Peter Seidler to think in his head, well, that, that's better than $600 million I'd have to give him. So let's, let's go for it. We don't know if Juan Soto wants to come back. Let's go for it. Let's go all in. He obviously loves AJ and believes in AJ and allows AJ to make a lot of moves here and trust his people there in that front office. And obviously AJ is the guy there and AJ loves Shohei Otani. And of course he should. I mean, Shohei Otani is the best talent I've ever seen on a baseball field. It's a no-brainer, but is this the best thing for the Padres franchise? Because that is a huge risk that you pay Shohei Otani $50, $60 million a year, and it's not a guarantee that he pitches and hits for the next decade. What if you end up doing that and he only hits you know, three, four years into the contract, or he only pitches three, four years, five years into the contract? Or he continues to pitch and hit, but only one of those is really effective, and the other one isn't really. And you already, if you're the Padres, you already have a ton of big contracts. Manny, Sander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis Jr., you have Musgrove locked up, you have Darvish locked up, you have Jake Cronenworth locked up, Robert Suarez, obviously, for four more years, I think, after this year. You've got a lot of money there. Do you want to spend way more than you have on any other player on one single contract, because they've given Manny a lot, but do you want to spend that all on one player? I get it. It's Shoei Otani, but do you want to do that? That's a big question for the Padres. And if they go all out for Shoei Otani, it's not even a guarantee that they land him. Um, and would you rather have Juan Soto, or would you rather have Shoei Otani with the injury risk? And But also, once Otani signs with someone, I probably... Soto's going to ask for somewhere in that range because he, he's a Scott Boris client. He rejected $440 million from the Nationals and then got traded here. So we know it's going to be at least $440 that you're going to have to offer Soto. How much is it for Otani? How much is it going to be for Soto after he sees what Otani gets? And I get Otani's the, a different player than Soto, but you know these players, they look at what the last contract was and they want to up it kind of like regardless of position sometimes. So a discount on Shohei Otani, maybe there'll be a little bit of a discount. I have a hard time believing that he will get the exact same amount of money that he was going to get if he would have been healthy at the end of this season. But let's not act like it's going to be a huge discount because all it takes is one team to offer him the same amount of money that he was going to get if he was healthy because that team is like, all the marketing, all the money we will get from Shohei Otani, it's worth it. We're going to go do this. I'm fine with taking that risk. We'll go do it. And we will sell so many jerseys, so much revenue. They'll take that risk. Is that team going to be the Padres with all the contracts they already have? Or is it going to be another team and the Padres lose out on Shohei Otani? And then maybe Juan Soto doesn't come back to the Padres. And then what spot are the Padres in, right? I feel like a lot of Padres fans, we thought that at some point here, we're going to get Otani or we're going to lock up, lock down Soto. Or maybe it was us thinking Otani, Soto, or Manny. And maybe two out of the three. One out of the three, I mean, you still have a pretty good core in place. A lot of talent still. And they got Manny locked down. And so if they don't bring back Soto, or yeah, it, you know, don't extend him, which I don't see that happening. They don't bring him back in free agency. They don't get Shohei Otani. I don't think it's the end of the world, to be honest. I, I, I don't. But I, I'd sure like to have Robert Hassel and James Wood. <laughs> um, 
you know, we'll see what Jackson Merrill ends up being. There's other free agents out there that they can go get. So it'll be a little bit disappointing if they can't land, land one of Otani or Soto. But I still look at it as, well, you have Merrill coming up. Ethan Salas will be here at some point. Not immediately, but at some point. He'll be fun to watch. You have Tatis for a long time. And we know how much of a great talent he is. You have Sander Bogarts. You have Manny Machado. I still believe in Jake Cronenworth. You have Musgrove. You have Darvish. I mean, some teams have it much worse than the Padres have it. So, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Shohei Otani might be getting a little bit less money. Does that make A.J. Preller or Peter Seidler perk up? We shall see. That's obviously going to be a big discussion in the offseason, just around Major League Baseball. All right. Let's get to the chat here. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button, that dollar sign there, and I will get to it. Thank you so much for the support. Tuning into the show here live on YouTube or on replay or on the podcast platforms. Um, all right, let's go through the chat here. Matt says, the Otani UCL tear is a big-time win for Snell and Boris. God, I hate Boris, is what Matt says. Um, yeah, because now Snell, if he's healthy throughout this season, he will be the best starting pitcher on the market for this coming offseason in terms of health, right? Someone that's going to be able to pitch and be healthy at the start of next season. It will be Blake Snell on the free agent market. So, yes, this is a win, definitely, for Blake Snell or Scott, Bor Scott Boris. So that's another question that comes from this. What does that mean for the Padres? Do they want to bring back Blake Snell? If they did, before this Otani news, will they still want to bring him back with probably an increased price tag? There's probably going to be more interest in Snell because there is that question mark. Maybe a team can afford Blake Snell, but they can't afford $600 million, $550 million, $500 million on Shohei Otani right? Or they don't want to take that risk. And they'd rather take a little bit of a smaller risk with Blake Snell. You know? So, yeah. This could be a little bit of good news for the Padres, because maybe they could get a little bit of a discount on Shohei. But it's not going to be a big one. And if they want to bring Snell back, it might have gotten tougher. Because Snell, I think, is going to be the best pitcher on the market, on the free agent market in the offseason. Someone that is healthy that can go help you next year on the mound. Good point, Matt. Devin says the White Sox situation is a little different because their front office has been an issue for years and the clubhouse no, has no leadership. Well, we haven't we heard of some clubhouse stuff? I don't believe all of it, but we've heard some of that this year, haven't we? And their front office has been an issue for years. Hasn't the front office been some sort of an issue for the Padres? I mean, there was the collapse in 2021. AJ Prellers continued to be allowed to hire managers his guys, and then brings in Bob Melvin, and then there's reports of him letting Bob Melvin be the scapegoat, and then Ryan Flaherty being elevated. So that, you know, Ken Rosenthal, Dennis Lynn, they wrote that piece after the collapse in 2021 about the front office. So I think there's been some problems there in the front office for years. Not Maybe not as much as the White Sox, because there's been success, but there's been a little bit there. Uh, JD's third says Padres front office has been an issue for 10 years. Clubhouse issues here dates back a few years ago, 2021, and then they add more divas. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say like Bogart is a diva. And Juan Soto, maybe you'd go there a little bit more than with Bogarts, I would say. But you have to expect some of that. I mean, he's coming in. He was the guy in Washington. And he knows he's one of the best hitters on the planet. So, of course, there's going to be something there to that. Matt says, Mike Rizzo is a, a Chicago guy. I think the news of him getting an extension soon led to this. I think Rizzo is the target. But if he's getting an extension, why would they? Why would the White Sox think that he's an option if he just is getting an extension from the Nats? And why would Mike Rizzo want to be with the White Sox? when I think the Nationals are in a better position than the White Sox, because the Nationals are ascending. They have so much great talent in that farm system. In AA, playing on the same team, Brady House, James Wood, uh, Robert Hassel, I think I'm forgetting one more guy, but there's, there's definitely talent there. 
coming up. So I think Rizzo's fine with where he's at. He doesn't have to get used to a new farm system and a new manager. He likes David Martinez. He's been with Washington forever. I, I think, I mean, if I was Mike Rizzo, I'd rather be with the Nationals than with the White Sox. Devin says, I do agree with what the White Sox are doing here. Fire their GM, vice president, because I think it's time to change just like the Padres should do. I mean, that's, that's what I'm kind of thinking too. Jonathan says Theo Epstein, but I don't even know if Theo Epstein, like, yeah, that would be a great, I would love to have Theo Epstein with his track record, but I don't even know if he wants to be a GM on any team. White Sox, Mets, if they put someone as the president over Billy Epler, which Steve Cohen is looking for, they could go with David Stearns. Like, Padres, I don't know if Theo even wants to get back in it. He's already, like, a Hall of Fame executive, isn't he? Red Sox. Cubs, like there's already a lot there. So I don't even, does he think it's worth it to come back? And maybe he wants to do it again. You know, he won big drought gone with the, the Red Sox and with the Cubs, you know, big drought gone there as well. But, and he could have the opportunity to do something, another historic title with the Padres first ever. Does he want to do that? Maybe he wants to attack that. And I'd love that to happen. But I'm not sure that he actually wants to get back in it. I think he likes what he's doing with Major League Baseball right now. Uh, Matt says, Reinsdorf would never even be known without Jordan and Phil Jackson. Maybe. I mean, when you win, it definitely helps get your name out there for sure. J.D.'s third says, A.J. Preller never had a plan, a one-year, three-year, five-year, or ten-year plan. He made it all up as he went along, operating like a mad scientist who is schizophrenic and bipolar. Not, to be honest, not super sure what that means, but um, I get it. J.D.'s third, he's not a fan of A.J. Preller. Definitely not a fan. Um, and I disagree about not having a plan. I think he's had a plan. Now, 2015, right when he got here, maybe you say no, and I would agree with that. You know, Matt Kemp and Derek Norris and Will Middlebrooks and all that. That didn't work out. But I think when he started the rebuild, he had a plan. But then the, things obviously changed. I think Ron Fowler not being the owner anymore and Peter Seiler being it, I think that definitely maybe changed some things for Preller. And he saw that, hey, prospects are prospects. And th there's these guys that are available. And then he got star happy. He really went and tried to get as many stars as he could. And now the roster is just a bunch of guys that have come in from different organizations. And he wanted to hire his guys as manager, and that didn't work out. And he might do it again if Bob Melvin ends up being the scapegoat, which absolutely sucks. Um, let's see here. LFGSD Padres says, I don't think we should go with Otani or Soto. Why? Because it's like too big of a risk, too much money. I mean, Otani, yes, there's a huge risk there, but it's also Shoei Otani. I mean, we come on, we'd, we'd all be excited if we got Shoei Otani. And if we lock down Soto, there are some that don't like Soto on social media, but I think a lot of the fan base would be happy that Soto got extended. Because he's a great talent. He is. And he's not Ted Williams, but he's really good still. He's very, he will, you know, the, the Padres not having Juan Soto, it will be harder to win games if they don't have Juan Soto on their team. Devin says, oh, here's a super chat real quick. I'll get back to that, Devin. But super chats get first, go first to the line. Joshua here says, thank you for the super chat, by the way. I think you kind of hit it on the nail Hit the nail on the head. Uh, Padres don't have a group of players building that connection in a farm system like the Orioles. And that's kind of my thought on if AJ goes, who should come in? Someone, maybe someone from the Braves. Maybe not mention that team and kind of feel stupid for not mentioning the Braves. Someone like that, that knows what Alex Anthopoulos, what Mike Elias, what Andrew Friedman, what they have done to have that consistent, you know, pipeline of talent coming up. And they're all together. And 
It's young contracts, young, cheaper deals. Because that's what the Padres need, I think, in the future because of all the deals that they have gotten locked down, all the players that they have locked up. You know? So, yeah, group of players building that connection. I think that's what AJ has done here, moving a lot of prospects to double A and having them play together. You have Merrill, you have Snelling, you have Salas, your top three prospects. You have Mortarella, you have Jacob Marcy. You know, there's there's other guys I'm forgetting, but you have those guys up there. Iniarte, um, I think I want to say, who's the other guy up there? Um, pitcher, I forget. I'm blanking on his name. But you have guys up there playing together at double A, and I think that's what AJ's trying to do. I think that's what the Padres are trying to do there. But they have tried that before, so it's not a guarantee that that will work. And at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, baseball is a team sport. But when you're up there at the plate, does it matter a whole lot that you played with a bunch of guys? Those guys in the dugout you played together in double-A with? I don't know how much that totally matters. But I think that's what the Padres are doing, Joshua. Trying to do that. Trying to get those um, stars together. Okay, where was I? I was on Devin's comment, I believe. Trying to find this here again, Devin. Sorry. Okay, here we go. Otani's a no-go for me. If he goes to the Padres, he will most certainly be a risk, not only injury-wise, but also money-wise as well. Getting Otani will certainly drag the Padres further down. Yes, risk injury-wise and money because it's it's a ton of money. Like, Otani's a unicorn. He's such a talented player. But how much? how many more players could the Padres go out and get instead of just signing one player. I know it's technically two, but how long will that be two players? Will it be for a decade or will it be for three or four years and then it ends up being one player that you're paying so much money for? You know? I don't know. So yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely a risk. I don't know about a no-go with Otani because not going to lie, I would be ecstatic if they landed Shohei Otani. Uh, but it would probably bite the Padres later in the contract just like a lot of these contracts will. And so being a Padres fan, when I'm like 26, 27, 30, maybe not, that might not be so fun. But if they win a World Series, win a couple World Series, then I think I'll be able to tolerate that. But yeah, it's, it's a risk. Just like these other contracts were risk. Bogarts, Manny with the extension, wanted it, but all of these are risks. Um, continuing to go through the chat here. Matt says, Soto is a one-tool player. He is the tool. He's a 40-year-old DH. Give him $400 billion to watch the shuffle. Look, Matt, defense, yeah, it's not his strong suit. So those that want to bash his defense, understandable. But this year, I think we would consider this season for Juan Soto as a little bit of a down year. Like, it's not his best year. 3.8 war, like, that's not great. He's hitting under 260. But still, look at the numbers. This is like a, a down year probably for Soto. 881 OPS, a 147 OPS plus, 47 above, 47% above league average. He's getting on base 40% of the time almost. I mean... And again, that's like a down year. So that's very valuable to a team. I'm sorry, it is. It's very valuable to a team. And this is with him in August, by the way. I was looking this up yesterday. He has crapped the bed in August. Holy cow. I mean, look at these. August, he's hitting 195. His OPS is 645. In July, his OPS was 959. June, 914. May, 1114. April, March, low start, 757. Like, August has sucked for Soto. But when you look at still this entire season, it's still a really good season for most players. So maybe you don't want to pay him $400 million, but someone will, and he's a, and they're going to be better with him than without him. And there's definitely times where I get frustrated with Juan Soto, no doubt about it. But I definitely recognize that he is a really really good offensive player. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Sadly, I want to talk about this San Diego loyal thing that happened today. And this is, this is significant San Diego sports news. And some might not be totally invested in San Diego loyal, but this is another San Diego franchise that is not going to be in San Diego, not going to exist as a San Diego franchise after this season. San Diego Loyal Chairman Andrew Faciliatis, he announced in a video earlier this morning that this will be San Diego Loyal's final season. So I'm going to play this message that he posted, that the Loyal posted on social media, and I'll give my reaction afterwards. Ago, Landon Donovan, myself, and our group of investors uh, started on a journey to bring professional soccer back to San Diego. I'm very proud of what we've accomplished in the first three seasons, from enduring a pandemic to making a play, making it to the playoffs, to then making it to the playoffs here for our first ever home game in Torero Stadium, um, and now in our fourth season, looking to make the playoffs once again. Um, over the last six months, myself. Ricardo Campos, and a small part of my team have been looking at all viable options up and down the coast uh, for us to find solutions for academy, for training facilities, for stadiums. From Oceanside down to the border, we've looked at everything and left no stone unturned. Unfortunately, after looking at all of that, I've come to the conclusion that this will be the last season for San Diego Loyal. For those of you who've gotten to know me, spent some time talking with me, you know how much this hurts for me to say. I love our city. I'm born and raised here, and I will always be loyal to San Diego. I don't see myself taking this project anywhere else, and I refuse to put an inferior product in front of you after you've come to love what we've done for the last four years. Landon has always said to me, how you do anything is how you do everything. And that's why I thought it was important that you hear from me today, not from a statement, or a press release, but from me speaking to you. I understand it's in a video, and I hope you know that in the coming weeks, we will have the opportunity to all get together and have a question and answer and a discussion about all of this. And as always, I will continue to be transparent with you. Um, we look forward to that happening, and we'll send details as that gets closer. I believe together in these last four years, we have set a new standard of what it means to be a professional soccer team in this city and be a reflection 
of our community. And I'm proud of that. And I wanna take a second to thank everybody from our dedicated supporters to our season ticket members, to our incredible group of players and coaches, to our staff, to our community partners, but once again, especially you, because without you, this club is nothing. So I have an ask. As we head into this last two months of the season, I ask that you continue to fight with the club. I ask that you come celebrate and not mourn what we have done over the last four years. I ask that you come join us at Torero for our final four home games and represent your community, come together as friends and family and cheer us on as we push once again to make it to the playoffs. And who knows what happens after that? Like I said, this is really difficult. And from the bottom of my heart, I just wanna thank everybody for the way you've represented the club and worn our crest. I'm forever grateful and I'll be forever loyal to our community. Thank you. All right. So there's chairman Andrew Vasiliotis there announcing that this season is it. This will be San Diego Loyal's final season. And so for those that are watching this, those that are listening to this, as he said, please go support them. Go to Torero Stadium, support this team. If you're not going to go, watch their matches. Um, this is a sad day. And I'm not someone that followed San Diego Loyal ever since they started. In fact, I really started following them really like this season. And through that time, though, I have definitely uh, grown in more of an interest in the club. And I think they have done things right for the city of San Diego. Right from the get-go, reading the background and things that happened right when they came in as San Diego Loyal, they made the community feel like they are actually a real part of the club. You have Landon Donovan, you have Andrew Vasiliadis, who is from San Diego, loves San Diego. It's not just some billionaire coming in. And really loved this club. And so it sucks. I'm not someone that works for San Diego Loyal, but I know people that do. And it just has to be heartbreaking for them because the players now have to find somewhere else to go. The front office has to find somewhere else to go. Landon Donovan, what's going to happen there? And maybe he ends up working with San Diego FC. And some of the front office people with San Diego Loyal, they end up being with the MLS team here in San Diego, and they can find a stable uh, new club to work for. And that's what I hope happens. I hope that San Diego FC will make the loyal employees. They will ask them first. I want you to be a part of this club. I hope that's what happens. Because what has happened here is sad. And I, I just, I feel for someone like Andrew Faciliatis, who poured obviously a lot into this and you saw or heard if you're listening to the podcast you heard and saw his emotions and how much this meant to him how much this club means to him and i just feel for someone like that some you know the fans of this club who continued to stand by this club through everything that has happened and they continue to go through games uh, go to games i should say excuse me and support this club and again, I think you should too in their last games uh, in San Diego Loyal's existence. Well, I think we can all agree what should have happened here, and it's sad that it looks like it won't be happening, is that San Diego Loyal would have just become the MLS club because they deserve it. What they have built in San Diego, and some aren't very aware of San Diego Loyal and weren't going into this, but what they have built the hard work that they have done, like they deserve to get the elevation and just have the San Diego FC group financially, more money, have them absorb the loyal, if that makes sense. And you can bring in Landon Donovan, have him run the club, have Landon Donovan be the head coach or have Nate Miller 
continue to be a coach on the staff and have him have an opportunity there. I'm not saying the players come over because I get it. There's like a talent gap there from USL and MLS. But I was hoping that's what would have happened. But instead, this new ownership group, and they get the, they can decide what, you know, what they want to do because it's their club, obviously, and they spend a ton of money for this club, so they get to do what they want. But I think it would have been a much better first step for this club to embrace San Diego Loyal more. And they have released a statement, and I can read that, but I think that would have been obviously the best option. And instead, they didn't decide to do that. I'm hoping what happens here, and I, I'm sure San Diego Loyal and whoever works there, they don't have good feelings about this MLS club. And I'm sure Andrew Vasiliadis doesn't have great feelings about this club. And I don't know what Landon Donovan's feelings are. But what I hope is they realize, the Loyal just realized, yeah, we're not going to be able to continue this because the MLS club is going to take the attention. They're going to take the revenue, the, 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 the supporters, not the diehard, but the other fans that come. Those are going to be attracted to the MLS club. And we're just it's just not going to happen. We're not going to be able to continue this club. They realize that. And now Vasiliadis can come apart, become a part with San Diego FC and be a part of maybe the front office or the MLS club allows Vasiliadis to have an ownership part of, be a part of the ownership group, like Manny Machado's part of the ownership group. Um, Landon Donovan gets an offer, gets offered an opportunity to be a big part of this MLS club. I mean, his, I think his name is on the MVP part of this. That's what I hope happens, but it's sad because we know what should have happened here and it didn't. And what will I do going forward? It, it's, it's weird because I obviously support San Diego Loyal and I get those that think that you shouldn't support San Diego's MLS team because they have pretty much run San Diego Loyal into the ground, like saying, screw you. We know that you're here, but we're coming in and we are going to make you fall apart, make you not continue to run your team, right? Last season for Loyal. And that's what the MLS club ended up doing. And so some are like, don't, don't embrace this MLS club. Don't do that. But for me, again, hopefully San Diego FC will make themselves a part of this community. I want to I give them a shot first. And if I can help them do that, then I want to help them do that. Um, Make the fans, the supporters, feel like they are a part of this club. And they're not just money coming into the club. And give loyal, give those employees, those people that spent so much time helping that club, give them opportunities to help your club. Because you're the reason why San Diego Loyal is not going to be a club after this season. So hopefully the right decisions are made there. But it has to be heartbreak. It's, I felt so sad when I saw that this morning. And I thought it was going to happen at some point, but it felt like they were going to continue to play soccer for at least next season because no MLS team is coming for 2024. It's going to be in 2025. So there's still a while here. I thought maybe next season they'd continue to go. It's just not going to happen, and it sucks. San Diego FC released a statement. We commend the entire San Diego Loyal organization, its founder, Andrew Vasiliadis, and Landon Donovan for their dedication to support soccer in San Diego and contributions to grow the game throughout the region. We greatly admire the good work that the Loyal has done in this community and their passionate fans, including the fervent Chavos de Loyal and the locals' supporter groups. We look forward to heralding a new era of soccer excellence and developing a profound connection with the community as fans, supporters, and admirers. We thank the loyal for the important role they've played in San Diego soccer. Join us in supporting the club as they finish the season and march towards a final playoff berth. So it looks like they're saying the right things in that statement, but I think that they could have had a much better start off to this MLS club here. And that would have been, including the loyal and 
like literally having loyal be part of the MLS club like having the and I get again the billionaire Egyptian billionaire Mohammed Mansour and the Saquon group like they can do whatever they want because they spent a ton of money for this team and all that the expansion fee and all that and renovations that are going to have to happen to Snapdragon I get it but if you really care if I don't, I don't want to say like they don't care about San Diego, but if you wanted to make it clear that you care and you understand what's happening in professional soccer in San Diego, you would have been like, man, let's put ourselves in the Loyal's position. And what if we were loyal and we had someone coming in here? What would happen to us? We'd probably not exist anymore. I don't want that to happen to Loyal. So I'm going to include them here and sure i guess mansour and you know san diego fc they want their own name their own colors and whatever so i I can't understand that but hopefully they include those that work for san diego loyal in this and don't just be like well it's okay we can just disregard them and we'll still be successful i hope they don't do that but yeah disappointing news and i i feel for anyone who was attached and emotionally involved with San Diego Loyal. A sad day for sure. Okay, let's see what some are thinking in the chat here. If there's any more that I want to talk about here. JD's third says no loyalty. Yeah, and I mean again, San Diego Loyal, they were doing things they were doing things right. Devin says the upcoming FC club should be named the Loyal. Yeah, but again, I just don't see that happening. It doesn't seem like they're going to do that. I think they're announcing it in September, but it feels like they've planned on having it be San Diego FC. That's their website. And they were asking fans around town, I guess, what the name of the club they wanted it to be. And they gave them some options, I guess. FC San Diego or San Diego FC. I do remember seeing videos about that. And that's those it seemed like those were the options. So it feels like it's San Diego FC. But yeah, I want it to be San Diego Loyal. But it just doesn't seem like that's gonna happen. And with this new MLS club, um, I'm Team San Diego, so I'm not full-on going to support them like from the get-go, but if this makes sense, like I'll, I'll, I'm going to be paying attention. It's San Diego, so, you know, and the Loyal, obviously, they're not going to be a club in 2025, so like that's going to be one of my teams now, but if they don't go about things correctly, then... You know, there's other clubs out there. I am fully invested in San Diego Wave. They are my number one soccer club, no doubt about it. And they will continue to be. So I already have something there. Um, and so I, I just hope that they do things right. Because there are plenty of fans that will just say, ah, I can go root for another team. I could go spend all my money with San Diego Wave. I could... Just go invest my time watching Premier League or whatever whatever some fans do and just not support you. Because I feel like that's where some fans are right now with this. And it sucks to see. It could have been avoided. Right? It could have been avoided. All right. I think that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 454. Again, anyone new to the show and you're like, why are you talking about soccer? Months ago, I started implementing other San Diego sports, talking about other San Diego sports at the end of shows. It's going to be a Padres show always. That's the main topic, obviously. But I don't have like my own sports talk radio show on San Diego Sports 760 or 97.3 The Fan. So this is like my show. And I'm passionate about other San Diego sports. And I think other San Diego sports should be talked about more. So I'm going to do that here. If you don't like it, I guess you could just exit when I start talking about that and you can get your Padres content still from me. Um, But that's just how I'm going to do it. 
And if you like it, that's great. If you don't, well, hopefully you continue to like my Padres content. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for the support. I really do appreciate it. Underdog Fantasy, my pregame pick, will be back, obviously, tomorrow, uh, as I do always on my pregame thoughts. An off-day episode of Talking Friars. That is it. A lot was covered today. Again, thank you so much for the time, and I'll talk to you all later.